Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Going Deep with Bread English. And uh, thank you, Rebecca Worrell, for joining us and bringing us into your beautiful home and healing space. Thank you for inviting me. No worries. It's three yeah. for three, right? It is. Mm. Third, third time. Mm. I want to jump straight into it. And um, automatic writing, is this something that's new for you? And how is the process? How did it start and how is it going? Cool. So um, automatic writing is can mean different things for different people. Yeah. And for me, it's just something that I've always, um, it's one of those things where I didn't know that I was doing it while I was doing it. Mm -hmm. So automatic writing is the process of um, surrendering to a, I guess like a, a higher power, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. and allowing that intelligence, that wisdom to, to come through so that you can ask questions or you can um, ask about a certain topic or write about a certain topic. And it's a la surrendering yourself as the, the pen, I guess, of the universe. So mm -hmm. your, your, your body and your mind being the pen. And then you, I guess, transcribing that into what that um, a vibration means for you. So we could have 10 of us there automatic writing and a good example of that might be, you know, Abraham Hicks. Yeah, I know Abraham Hicks, yeah. So the, the way that Esther communicates what Abraham is saying, this collective consciousness that she, she channels through through speech. So you can do that through writing. Oh, wow. Yeah, and if we had 10 people, as I was saying, together, um, for argument's sake, let's say the similar vibration or download or wisdom could be coming through, but the way that somebody writes it out is specific to their unique expression that they have come here mm -hmm. as. So it might be different what I would write down as to what you might say. Um, so yeah, automatic writing was something I was doing for a while when, even as a child, um, it, it's like, I would ask I would ask questions to, like um, I don't even I don't even think it was, as a kid you're just connected right you don't really yeah. know who or what you're talking to I just always found it very interesting as a child anyway the concept of who do we talk to in our own minds true right so I guess like I was applying that same curiosity as to why is it that people like write like who are we writing to mm. you know. And yeah, so I guess then I ended up when I'd go through like difficult times when I'd write a question in my journal, you know, why does this happen to me or why is my mom like that or why, you know, I started noticing a shift in perspective or a shift in my paradigm of the way that I was viewing something before I'd even finished writing the question. And that was more like as I was starting to grow up. Mm. Um, it's hard for me to look back as a child as when that actually started happening, but I was always very gifted in writing, like poetry. I was always very creative. Yeah. Um, thanks to my dad also, because he was a songwriter. Mm. And, was he a rock star? Hmm? Was he a rock star? Like rock yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. yeah, he, um, yeah, he was very uh, encouraging for me to be expressive in that way. And as I got older, like when I actually first started journaling, that's when like journaling properly is when I hit rock bottom. And I literally wrote in this book for God that I didn't believe in at the time, not in the sense that I guess a Christian faith sees God as a, a, a human representative of consciousness. Yeah. 
I literally asked for God to just remove me from this existence. That oh, was wow. the first kind of um, surrendering experience that I kind of had. I just was, I totally gave up. And I think from there, that really kick-started my journaling experience because it's like, because I'd totally given up, not life necessarily, I'd given up trying to control different elements. I gave up trying to control what people thought of me. I gave up trying to control what my parents thought of me. I gave up trying mm-hmm. to control my emotions. But it wasn't like this um, freeing sense of giving up. It was like this deep despair of no matter what I do, even if I change people's opinions, some are still not going to like me. If I change my mom's opinion, you know, I still feel like a failure. If I change my emotions, they still come up when I, when I don't want them to. Um, so that kind of level of giving up, I think, opened up this doorway of surrender that allowed these new um, ways of thinking to come through. Mm. So for me now, I'm, I'll just write down something that I'm struggling with because we do get caught up in our own self-coaching and we become immune to our ways of coaching ourselves and thinking our way out of a problem or thinking our way into a problem. Yeah. And I just always felt that there was, whether you call it your higher self or your soul or consciousness, universe, God, whatever, or even spirits, um, I just always felt that there was something more that I could access that was outside of myself. So I would just literally write a question like I was asking a therapist. Yeah. I'd say, why is it I keep procrastinating doing this thing? And it might have been around like making videos on, on social media. I might be putting out my coaching services. It might be something with a friend or with my mum. And halfway through writing a question, the, the answer would already start. It would already be there halfway before I'd even finished the, 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 the question. Mm. And that was very um, helpful for me because I started to really uh, determine the, the age old uh, argument as to is it ego or is it intuition you know I feel like a lot of us start to ask that question and rattle our brains is my ego telling me this or is it my intuition and the way that my ego or my mind will structure out sentences as a question um, when I would receive kind of like this paradigm shift a I was thinking I was so stuck in deep that there was no way out of this question that I was asking I know that it's not me the one who i thought i was in my mind that has created this paradigm shift so quickly yeah and also the way that the information would come in it wasn't like reading a sentence it was imagine you could take in a whole page of information on a book at the same time that's the way that the answer would come through and yeah, then come through like in information not in sentences. yeah that's it it was it was like a down like almost like a download and i would then write the answer and as i was writing the answer it was almost like imagine a i guess like a a ball of yarn would just drop into my head made of energy. Just the whole mm. ball would just drop in at once. Then when I write out what the answer would be to my question from this higher power, it slowly would tease the yarn out and it would become sentences. Oh, wow. So the writing process helped you slow it down and interpret every little yeah, piece. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I think that I ended up doing like a channeling course. I participated in a channeling course for about six weeks and... It was very difficult for a lot of the participants, including myself at the beginning, because we have this hard and fast idea between what it means to channel. Yeah. And it means you need to see spirits or you need to audibly hear them. Um, And that kind of expectation can actually not cut us off from receiving, but cut us off from 
like being able to access what is already being downloaded into us, if that makes yeah. sense. So I don't think it's as much of a question as if we can. It's um, if we are are willing to tap into it or not. Mm. So, so when it came to the channel writing part, that was very easy for me. Um, but for everyone else, most of them, they were constantly asking, yeah, but how do I know that this is not my mind? How do I know? How do I know? How do I know? And it's this persistent um, paranoia almost like uh, this imposter syndrome like what if this is just my mind and I'm making this up to pretend that I can channel when I can't and at the end of the day like at some point you just need to surrender that question and Mm. just not ask it because even if it is you or isn't you and then that comes to the the whole can of worms as to what are you who are you saying you are what are you defined by Mm. do you think you're defined by your brain um, only your brain sort of thing. It's not, whether it's you you or not you, still asking that question with an open-ended answer and just kind of surrendering the fact that with this authentic surrender that you don't know the answer and you cannot come up with the answer. Like it's just, yeah, it just opens up this gateway for this information to, this not information, this wisdom to come through. So I mm. use it probably like every second, every second day Wow. Yeah, and I think it's the same the same um, wisdom that can come through tarot in the way that when you yeah, pull tarot yeah. cards and, it, and, it, and people are just blown away by how accurate it is. And it's like, of course it is, you know. Yeah. I find that very common amongst a lot of people um, where they, they're doubting themselves when they're channeling. It's like, oh, I'm making this up. Am I doing this sort of thing? And I went to a, even a past life therapist and you're just sort of going through meditation and you're getting a story come to you from the Akashic Records. And it felt like as if I was a stage ring and making things up. Mm. But she's like, everybody says that, but what are the odds of you making it up and you're not even knowing what it is you're talking about beforehand, but everyone mm. still doubts themselves. Mm. And um, my experience with automatic writing and also channeling is that it comes in thought form and it's almost disguised as your own thought. Like it's so close to how you would think anyway, but just a little bit different. And it's hard to, without meditation and putting all the thoughts aside and clearing your mind space, you don't, it's hard to tell mm. what's you and what's not. That's it. I, yeah. And I think what has helped me the best with that is not so much then, um, it's kind of like taking a couple steps back and being like, okay, well, we actually need to the, address the question that you thought any of your thoughts were yours to begin with. Let's not go there. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? <laughs> yeah, I know so, exactly what you mean. So, so when people say that, it's, and of course, like sometimes we're not ready for that kind of conversation, but it's true. Yeah. You literally don't elicit 90% of your thoughts. Mm. Maybe ninety-five percent. If you're thinking ninety thousand thoughts a day, which is what we do on average, yeah, we are not. We're not consciously doing that. True, you know. So and so to be like, oh, is this me or not? It's like, well, it it was never you. You're mm. just accessing a different part of you, but you can't claim any of it. But do do you think that there's like thought forms that are just floating around? Like if I have a thought, like oh, that's a nice cabinet, and someone walks in here and that thought is in the room and it goes inside their mind and they think the same thing, but. You reckon that's an actual thing? People can pick up other people's thoughts that are just hanging around the planet. Yeah, I do believe that yeah. because um, what a scientist has never been able to show you or a brain surgeon has never been able to show you where thoughts are in the brain. Yeah, they look at different um, activities that happen in the brain, mm. but there are so many coincidental synchronicities that happen in conversation. Mm. Let's say you're thinking of someone, right, and they walk past your window. Or they call you, or they message you, mm-hmm. and it's 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 one of those things where I think it's um, that that 
idea is a lot more attractive to me mm. um, because it leaves it open to not having an answer for that. I just know for sure that I don't know for sure that my thoughts are in my head. <laughs> That's all I know for sure. I know that I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And that opens a lot up for me. And it, sometimes it can be scary to uh, uh, realise like your property of your thoughts and your emotions like... We don't have that any property. Aren't yours, hey. yeah. yeah. For me, it's very li- liberating, you know. Um, but you know, everything's a paradox. So something that's di- empowering can be equally disappearing, you know. Mm. Oh, my thoughts aren't mine. Oh, my thoughts aren't mine. Oh, I can't if control my attitude. emotions. Oh, my can't control my emotions. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely feel um, that it automatic writing. If you really want to turn it into a way to know yourself more it's less of proving how spiritual you are or how intuitive you are with if you can channel it's more can we turn that question around and be like were those thoughts ever mine to begin with Mm. you know when you start to relax a little bit with finding out if it's mine or not and realize that none of them are yours yeah it's kind of like then we kind of drop the the question altogether (laughs) because there's no basis for it Mm. Another question, right? So if we're channeling automatic writing or even just having negative thoughts versus positive thoughts, like if you were, I can't control my emotions. Some people will be at the negative, some will be a positive. How do, do you draw a distinction between is there such a thing as possession or certain entities that you're automatic writing with that are of a negative effect? Like how would you distinguish between a negative spirit and a positive spirit when it comes to your thought forms, your emotions and your channeling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. And for me, it's one of those things where it comes down to intention. Yeah. You know, like we're v- vibrational beings. We, mm. what like attracts like, you know. And, um, and it's one of those things, isn't it, where it's hard to uh, say for sure. Yeah. But I know that a lot does come down to, to our intention, you know. Mm. Like why, um, if you are trying to... Uh, prove yourself through being able to channel for me that's an egoic intention yeah to boost one's sense of self mm. perhaps from a feeling of lack true that, i'm spiritual everyone exactly I can channel. that's it and i find that sometimes the thing that a lot of us try to avoid which is mm. the feeling of just totally giving up not giving up on life but giving up the game of trying to control yeah. things i feel that um ironically that is actually a hugely uh high vibrational place to journal from because you're open Mm. you're not you're not trying to control things and um simple things though you know putting the intention out there for your guides or your higher self to coat you in white light Mm. for protection um even the way that you look after your your journal you know like treat it Mm. with respect um you might even just have a journal specifically for channeling is good too yeah um, like my ADHD brain isn't that organized. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? I really just do think it comes down to, to intention. And again, you don't know for sure, uh, something, it can seem like a positive channeling experience, but then it could be motivated by something not so positive, but then how would you know for sure? True. true. You know? But what do you think ADHD is and how did it come about? Is it just like a, yeah, a way to cope with modern whole... society or is it like an actual mm. thing? Well, my partner Theo has just finished reading a book called, um, is it Super Focus or something like that? God, I can't remember what the, net, the, the title is, but he was like, you have to read this. Mm. And in it, I think it does debunk 
the diagnosis of ADHD. Really? Um, going more around like our culture, the way that we're living. Um, but you know, it depends on who you ask because for some people, it's same thing with depression, isn't it? Yeah. Some people will sw swear black and blue that it's not a diagnosis. It's just an umbrella term for a certain few um, uh, experiences that one person is having. Oh yeah, that sounds like depression. Um, same mm -hmm. with ADHD, like difficulty focusing, bit of a social butterfly, short attention span. But we're saying like, we're getting more and more and more people that that have that you know mm. what i mean so does everybody have adhd or is it the way that we're bringing being brought up um so yeah it's it's for me like adhd comes a, around with that um there's a lot of shame if whether you are or are not diagnosed of adhd mm. if you don't fit into the system which is you can focus on something monotonous and boring for eight hours a day and you can just sit in your seat and not be interested or have any curiosity in anything going on around you um you are stuck in mind time like things have to happen like in this mm. order and you're always neat and and all these different um things it's it's almost like the problem is more like what are we saying is normal yeah because we weren't ever operating by time before as in these like mm. minutes it's by solar time not by clock time True. you know um to have no curiosity in anything around you to not you know yeah. that is that the new normal and to sit still for that it's it's um give them amphetamines yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it and we want I, compliant workers yeah <laughs> Yeah, or mushrooms. Yeah. So yeah, it's I, I vibe a lot of a, a lot of people that feel like they might have ADHD or have been diagnosed with ADHD uh, because it, a lot of shame is carried around because mm. of what we are saying is normal. And it's if and like I was saying, if you can't do these eight hour days, you can't do all these different things that the system is setting up for us to do for the rest of our lives, basically. Yeah. Um, then oh, you must have a condition. Mm. and go get it sorted so then you can have medication so you can fit into the system and yeah. and and there's nothing you can do about this and you're just so literally then giving people medications so that they can focus mm. you know it's it's so it's um yeah i'm more looking at like what is what is normal because people with adhd are just like kids to me Mm. how kids are but in we adult need, need bodies yeah. and we are adults we're literally big kids we are all mm. big kids and some big kids have mortgages and and like Death. businesses entrepreneurs yeah. like they have farms and they're just adults but we're just big kids you know um but we're not really working we're all just playing like alan watts would say that's it that's yeah. it and then the problem is more like we're not doing that and those that are playing, you must have ADHD. Mm. <laughs> Not just style. ADHD, but other things, you know. And those that get depression or anxiety around, you know, what is anxiety being a um, based in the future mm. and depression being based in the past, you know, if they have those experiences because they're not fitting into the system, again, oh, there's something wrong with you. Mm. Let's treat that so you can go back to work. True. It's just, yeah. So I'm more looking at, like, what is normal. <laughs> mm. What do you think is more powerful, the mind or the heart? Depends what you mean by powerful. Um, yields the greatest result. For what? For, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just say if you're working on your project or a passion mm -hmm. um, in creativity and purpose, should it be more heart-based or more mind-based? or how, how, how do you navigate in your world 
working in what you do with workshops, events, and coaching? Is mm. it heart-based, is it mind-based, or is it a, a combination of both? Yeah, well, that could be also phrasing the question and the polarity of like feminine and masculine. Okay. Um, it's one of those things, isn't it, where it's everything in moderation, including moderation. Mm. It's just not, it's just not um, achievable in my opinion to, a lot of people want to be 50% masculine, 50% feminine. Mm. It's just not possible. Like at some yeah. levels, we're going to be 100% feminine and other times we're going to be 100% masculine. So yeah. feminine, we could say then being the heart space, more creative, more flow, more gentle, soft, spontaneous, mm. deep. Um, the mind representing more masculine, goal-oriented, time-oriented, mm. um, um, goals, purpose. So like your question then, you mentioned creativity, purpose, and goals and workshops. So kind yeah. of even your question was a mix of desires from like the heart mm. and from the mind. Um, so for me, you know, if you're 100% just going from your heart, again, everything's intention. Mm. If we're trying to go from the heart and we're ignoring masculine, you might have all this creativity and all these emotions and all these ideas, very idealistic, and you fantasize, but you don't have the ability to implement. And if you cannot implement your creativity, then you're not actually creating. You know, mm. creative wants movement, it wants motion, it, that, that's what creativity is. True, yeah. And if you're just from the mind, um, again, there's all this implementing, there's all these strategies, and it's very practical, and it's, you know, very organized and structured. Um, but you, you, where is the the juice coming from, the intention, the mm. energy? Because then if there isn't any that energy and that depth, then it's all superficial nothingness. True. So... For me, it's, um, it's, again, depends on intention. So as long as my intention is clear, then it's always just going to be an oscillation of, of the two. And I think I've just stopped trying to control which one is which. Whichever one feels like it's like taking over yeah. or wants to be expressed, I will then do what part of the preparation uh planning or creativity period for a workshop, I will put myself into that. So if I'm feeling like really creative and awesome, then I'm gonna do a big mind map. I'm gonna do some dancing, I'm gonna be writing down all these ideas and creativity, mm. putting together a music playlist, you know, doing up the graphic design. And then if I'm feeling like not as like creative and I maybe I'm feeling a little bit like hectic in the mind because I feel like I need structure then mm. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to I'm going to time like time sort everything and I'm going to um, write out the plan for it and um, organize you know getting you involved with the breath work and we talk mm. to Theo and and do the more masculine you know create the event right thing do the marketing which yeah. you could say is creative but yeah sometimes same thing with emotions like emotions come up to be felt and expressed and healed and um, explored when our mind is like, oh, no, 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 it can't come up now. Like I've got this other thing that I need to be doing. Mm. That's why so many of us continue on a suffering of trauma because, you know, our body doesn't go by what you, what the mind wants to do. The body goes by like what the energy that is in motion. So if you're in the middle of a meeting and all of a sudden you feel the urge to cry, then it's a question, okay, do you listen to your heart or do you listen to your mind? And it's hard to say which one's right and which one's wrong, you know, mm. because there is neither. Like, really, the intelligence of your body is such that 
you could say is more powerful than your mind. Because when we're saying your mind, you're making decisions from your conscious mind, which is 5% of the brain only. 5%. Mm. Wow. You know, your cart literally is the vibration, the, 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 the force that leads absolutely everything. Mm. Um, so yeah, same with when I'm doing my workshops and stuff. It's, it's just a balance of two. And naturally, we may struggle with more, one more than the other. Mm. I struggle more with the mind, masculine. That's why I have a coach. To help me with that. When you say struggle, is it overactive or underactive? Um, I'd say it, it's overactive in the things that don't matter. Okay. So the mind is good when you are not its slave. Mm. And you know when you're its slave because it's working in mind time. Mm. So mind time is the past and the future that doesn't exist. There's time, mm. universal time, and then there's mind time. Yeah, it doesn't exist. <laughs> exactly. So universal time, we can't say that doesn't exist because if we put, you know, a, a, a flower over there and we go a week from now, even though it's still the present moment, we're like, okay, well, that flower has grown. There has been time. Mm. But if I'm sitting here and reminiscing over the workshop that hasn't happened yet, you know, that is literally... Uh, you could say that's a maladaptive strategy for me to avoid doing, mm. channeling my mind in the present moment to do what I can do about it, you know? True. Yeah. So that's why I have a coach to help me like structure things out. So whatever I can do, I do it there in the moment and then I will, I'll leave it and I'll drop it. Yeah. Is there any practices you can do to combine heart and mind? So when you're having these thoughts over, over activity in the mind, somehow the heart and mind can become one. So where you're thinking with the emotion or with the power of love and the feminine creativity. Meditation. Meditation? Yeah. Simple. Mm. Yeah, meditation. I'll go nuts and dance in my kitchen because um, works, yeah. sometimes, stag again, you know, stagnation um, depends. Like if you've got, for example, anxiety is based in the future, right? A lot of the time I've found meditation is the answer, isn't the answer to everything. So when I have anxiousness, because it's more of a dynamic emotion, I'd rather mm. do something like dancing or go lift weights or go for a run True. or go out with my dog. It's a very dynamic emotion. It's changing that state. That's it. Yeah. Same with like maybe anger, right? Anger doesn't make you want to crawl up and be quiet. It makes you want to smash something. Mm. So, it, but if I'm feeling like maybe depressed, then I would meditate because depression is more of a withdrawn emotion. Depression, sadness, mm. apathy imposter syndrome maybe mm. is is um you know a little bit more of a withdrawn emotion in, in which case then i would i would meditate yeah so okay. it kind of depends on the, the how dynamic or static the emotion is yeah cool. i've got a quick exercise i want to try and run through with you to yeah. see what happens mm -hmm. it's a bit random it's a bit out there but i want to see what will come up in this situation okay so we've got two options we have one with animals and one with ascended masters always animals okay cool let's yeah. do a quick meditation we're going to close cool. down the eyes have our palms facing up. Taking a few deep breaths through the nose and out the mouth. Now I want you to imagine that you're standing in front of this huge wooden door leading into a really beautiful garden. The door's kind of glowing, like ancient, beautiful, purple aura around it. Now the door opens and there's a great light and a beautiful field. And as you walk through this door, you see two dogs who are happy and playing and run up to you. But these dogs can talk. And they give you a secret 
to life and purpose and meaning. What is it they say? Nothing matters. Nothing matters? Mm. Nothing at all? Mm. That was easy. <laughs> mm. Any other secrets that these dogs have to say? Yeah, everything matters. Everything matters. Mm. Nothing matters, but everything matters. Mm. Yeah. The gold one said nothing matters, and then the brown one says everything matters. Mm. Mm. Did they say any advice in finding what matters? Who is the one finding what matters? It is the eye within. Mm. That's very interesting, very paradoxical. Mm. Very Rebecca Worrell type mm. philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mm. We're going to do one more. We're going to do a quick reset, going mm -hmm. through white light, purifying ourselves. And we're walking into this beautiful home. A massive, beautiful white mansion. There's a dinner going on. You walk into the house because you're invited. And at the table, you're going to see Buddha, Jesus, Krishna, and a few other people who should not be named. <laughs> and you can hear them talking and over a discussion and conversations and topics being mentioned. They sit you down, they start talking. What are they talking about amongst each other? They're laughing. Laughing over, <laughs> like Buddha leans, leans over to me and says, <laughs> why, why are you all the way that you are? In, you know, using them as a way to serve our own sense of self mm. and the, yeah, there's just so much, just so much laughter, so much laughter and not, not serious. They're almost like kids in, in adult bodies mm. and all the different, you know, traditions, you know, Lao Tzu is there also and that they're, they're, they're all coming from the one there's no there's no they're all ref reflections of each other you know mm. yeah just so much just so much so much laughter and even and even the <clears throat> you know e even the concept of like there being so much separation and war and polarity and divide among really what all of this is about is what happens when you die, right? Like what, what is, what is beyond this realm, what was before it and what was after it. Even the concept of that being such a, a issue isn't even an issue. You know, even that is just met with so much laughter it's not even a problem so what are some of the key takeaways from this conversation that we can apply in our lives what comes to me straight away is the 
Adlerian psychology and the basis of not having vertical relationships. So vertical relationships being the hierarchy of one above the other and that so many of us with different religions we are we are having a vertical relationship with the universe or with buddha or Lao Tzu or allah like we're having a vertical relationship it's we are beneath or less than or less worthy or less powerful mm. than the one and the the laughter is is that they are like you like every single one of them are is you you know so you're you're you live your life to you're living your life trying to impress yourself <laughs> that's what's so funny about it like it literally is like a horizontal relationship but there's no there's no above there's no below there's no praise even like there is literally no there's so much laughter around sadly people like sacrificing their life to 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 prove something to prove like their worth and to to compensate this feeling of like being less than or maybe I haven't done enough in my life to go to heaven or to get blessed mm. or to pass the gates, you know. Um, but the, 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 not proving that to anybody else apart, literally other than themselves. And that's what's so so funny about it. Like it's all a being hoax, mm. you know. And then there's so much war and, and, and division because people are arguing over the way in which to prove themselves to themselves because people want to do that in different ways. Oh, chastity. Oh, you know, arrange marriage. Oh, do this. Oh, don't do that. Pray in this way. Consume this. Don't consume this. You know, mm. live in this way, live in that way. And it is coming from like a vertical relationship. You know, so anywhere that you are participating in vertical relationships in your life, whether it's with your parents, whether it's with friends, with a boss, with mm. community, with society, like anywhere that there is that vertical relationship, like that is the relationship you are having with the universe. Beautiful. You need to have a horizontal relationship with the universe in that the power that is you is the same power that is whoever it is that you pray to. The same power that is in a tree is the same power that is in an ant. You know, we have this vertical because it helps us feel like we have this grasp on reality, you know. And that's, yeah, it's, there's always someone higher than us, someone below us, but that's just an illusion. Love that. That mm. is absolutely on point. Mm. I feel like you were getting um, information, like the whole ball of yarn, and you were trying to decipher it. Mm -hmm. So we're going to bring ourselves back to the room. Mm -hmm. Say thank you to the great masters mm -hmm. who are horizontal. <laughs> to, us? to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Brett. <laughs> wow. That was very interesting, wasn't it? Mm. <laughs> All right. So when it comes to actually, we'll go with this first. What does the word profit mean to you? Profit. Yeah. And what do you think exactly that is? He who affirms his own freedom. Mm. Profit and authenticity probably go hand in hand for me. Wow. Mm. Love that. Your self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. You 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 are you are the creator. Like you just mm. Yeah. And authenticity if we're talking in terms of um, existential philosophy, 
the meaning of authenticity, which has been greatly put out of context in modern day society. Mm. Authenticity means, you know, you don't care what anyone thinks. You're always honest. You're always, you know, which is all this bullshit, 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 bullshit to Mm. create this facade that you're bulletproof. But authenticity in existential philosophy actually means to behave in ways that affirm your freedom. And I feel that's what a prophet does, does it not? Behaving in ways that affirm your own freedom. True. Yeah. And that is, and again, it, Firstly, like it would be easier than to go into the term profit and meaning like what does that mean? Like you said, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for everyone? Every word is just a, an umbrella term for that which we cannot point to and agree on definitively. True. You know, it, dep- it de- depends. It's just a bunch of words. It's only an agreement when there's two parties who agree on what the label means. That's it. And that's why sometimes like when you might ask questions, I want to just make sure that I'm that I know exactly what you're talking about in order to answer that question. Um, However, mostly in life, people, we engage in conversations and we engage in these debates and these meaningless um, fights or arguments. And we're not even getting clear on what it is the other person is talking about. You know, when you said before, you know, what's more powerful, like the heart or the mind, I was like, what do you mean by powerful? Oh, well, if you want to get this done, well, what's this? And, and, and if you genuinely want to listen to someone, and the problem, the, the, the cause of this is because we're not listening to understand anymore. We're listening mm-hmm. to respond. True. So we assume we know what that person is saying to then respond in the way that it suits us yeah. because we've interpreted their answer in a certain way. But if we get curious mm-hmm. as to what it is that people are actually, where they're coming from, it makes them understand themselves and where they're coming from better. And often you can reach an answer just from asking more about the question. It's a whole new way of conversation. Yeah. I feel like we've been trained or conditioned to either just listen and wrote, listen and remember, wrote learning, mm-hmm. or we're trained to debate, mm-hmm. where it's like you're, debate, you're debating or arguing only to win or be right. Mm-hmm. And however you can do that, even though you don't agree with it, and I have many friends who we have discussions with, and I soon realize that we're talking, but he's trying to prove himself to be right. And when you call him out on a certain topic that's actually not correct, he didn't even know. I'm like, why were you arguing so affirmatively? For something you didn't even know about, it didn't make any sense. Like getting heated and emotion, like you can't have a rational discussion. So, having a discussion where you can actually really break down, or what do you mean by God, or what do you mean by ego, what do you mm. mean by this and that, really helps people to come to truth rather than wanting to win this conversation. Mm. Does that and make sense? Three words we don't use enough. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. No one wants to say that, and yeah. this literally reminds me when you were saying about your friend's conversation in Japan. I was there with my ex and um, like kind of his family of friends. Most of the family of friends come from science, uh, science backgrounds, so scientists, microbiologists, um, engineers, mm. right? Yeah. And then one of the guys is extremely spiritual. Mm. And it's 3 a.m. in Japan in this Airbnb, this loft-looking Airbnb. We've just been out. We come back. And the one of the guys that's spiritual asks a friend, um, he doesn't even ask. He basically says to her, you need to accept that science is a blind faith. And you need to accept that. And there was this whole debate going on. And the debate got so hectic. There was like 12 of us in there that what my ex's brother had to end up like, being like, okay, you're next to say something. Okay, then you're next. And he's keeping tally of who's next to say like something. A talking stick. Yeah. And, mm. and I ended up just going, I just ended up putting my hand up. 
and eventually like Excuse I spoke <laughs> yeah because I think that the friend that was spiritual thought that I would be kind of backing him up mm. um and so then I ended up speaking and I said okay I said I'll tell you guys like why this isn't even like a debate for me is because imagine we get this cup and I've got a cup and I said imagine we've got this cup right Kate is saying like the 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 sister of my ex is saying um like science is not a blind faith because you can produce the same result over and over and over and over again it becomes fact mm. and so what i so i said what she is saying is if we measure the outside of this cup with a tape measure we do it a thousand times it's going to stay the same circumference unless we do something to manipulate that but if we don't could we say science says this is x centimeters in circumference and they said, yes. It's like, okay. What he's saying, the other guy, I said, what he's saying is the, the person who made the tape that you're measuring with, mm. the idea of measurement is an illusion. Yeah. Which is also true, right? Like it, you can, it, it, measurement is... Is something that was created by man to help us like uh, control things and measure things in, it was in, an agreement. in the human. It's an agreement, like a word right? or a label. Yeah. Yes. So, really, he is right because measurement is a construct. Time is a construct. Well, Money is a construct. The paradox again. Exactly. So that's why I said to them. I said, "So you're both right, and but on different levels." And I said, "So I said to them, I would rather watch a debate between an, a carnivore and a and a vegan." Mm. Because at least we're on the same plane of consciousness. But you guys are arguing over philosophy or spirituality mm. and, and um, science. But yeah. really, I believe that they're the same thing. Just science hasn't caught up. And I yeah. don't think could ever have instruments that could measure the, the infinite potential potentials of, of, of consciousness. Yeah. Maybe they could in higher dimensions. Who knows? That's but, it. Um, who knows? So it's, yeah, it's, it's too broad a statement to make. Saying science is a what do you call it? A blind faith. faith. A blind faith. It's a massive yeah. statement to make. But I can see why people would say that. Yeah. Because in some institutions, people use science as a manipulation tool for selling drugs or whatever else mm -hmm. that may be. Mm -hmm. But you can prove whatever it is that you want, whatever it is you're looking for. We create mm -hmm. our realities. I honestly believe that it's a bit out there. Mm -hmm. That once upon a time when matter was first created, there. It was very, people would assume it was mystical, this magic, how things appear. And then it's like, no, it was actually atoms. No, there's, there's quarks. No, there's vibrating rings of light or whatever like that. But I think as we're looking for it, we're creating it. Because mm. if everything was created just by the Big Bang or just by consciousness itself or whatever, mm. that is magic. The Big mm. Bang is magic. It's indescribable. The fact that we can label smaller and smaller and smaller components of reality mm -hmm. doesn't mean we can actually make sense of it. Mm. Um, but I reckon all that stuff that we look for, we find and mm -hmm. justify it and call it science. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it's all just mystical, no matter how much you label it. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay, cool. It does, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, that, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, and for example, it would be the same way if they argued this chair is here. Mm. Kay would say this chair is here. And then that would say this chair is not really here. Mm. They're both right. True. And it just wasn't like a debate. That was, I was sitting there and I was like, this just isn't going anywhere. Because mm. they're, they're both right. That's, that's the problem. They're both right. And it just mm. depends on which way you want, want to, which way you want to look at it. But it doesn't yeah. really matter. 
Not, not, a, not a very productive conversation, I would say. It wasn't very productive. Yeah. It was so funny, like three o'clock in the morning in Japan, like having this real deep conversation. I was just like, this is just, and everyone was getting really like animated about it. It was really, yeah, yeah it was really interesting. So, okay. yeah. Next question. Do you believe in a cabal or Illuminati or dark forces on the planet that control this place? I believe that, have you ever played the Sims game? Yes. Yes, I believe in the same way that in Sims, if you type in like different cheat codes, you can make yeah. the aliens have babies with the, the humans. And if you go to the, the goth house, there are, you, there's a ghost and you can be a ghost hunter. So I believe like in this lifetime, there are like hundreds of thousands of different, of different things that are happening. Mm. Whether it's reptiles, like sex trafficking, like whatever dark yeah. things, also infinitely light things. Yeah. Monks meditating in Tibet, and that's what's keeping the order in the world. If they mm. weren't doing that, then everything would fall to pieces. So I think there are infinite potentials of things that are happening. Mm. People coming through Merkabas from different, from different dimensions. Yeah. You know, timeline well, theory, string yeah. theory. Like yeah, but that think, still doesn't scratch the surface of everything that this is. Okay. Yeah, let's say you've got like of. the light people meditating in Tibet and you've got the cabal ordering things and it's keeping us in line, in, mm -hmm. in place. But what if the cabal was to weaken and we would shift over here and it'd be a different reality then? Mm -hmm. This reality did fall apart, but now we're somewhere else entirely. Mm -hmm. But we're going to do a quick meditation if you want mm -hmm. on this and a nice little activity, which is a little bit darker, but I want to see where it goes. Are you ready? Yeah. Cool. So we're going to close our eyes down, taking a few deep breaths. And we're standing in an office building, high above New York, opening the boardroom doors. And in this boardroom is what people would call the cabal, the Mr. Burns, the Jacob Rothschild. Those people are in there. And you get to implant a message or an idea into the subconscious mind of that group. What message or idea would you want to put into their minds? If you had complete access to it, just to drop it in like a little seed, like Inception. Then what? Then what? That's what I would put in. Then what? Mm. And if you could make one law, one global law, what would that law be? That there is a process that youth goes through before they enter adulthood that gives them the opportunity to decondition and unlearn everything they had learned in the first seven to ten years of their life so that they can move forward as more uh, free and pure expressions of who they are rather than carrying around indoctrinated programming, belief systems, emotional patterns, thought patterns uh, that don't belong to them but were offered to them from the environment around them, parents, teachers, friends, mm -hmm. society experiences. So like an education program or a rite of passage? More like a rite of passage, yeah. It would be like an uneducation program, mm. probably involving something to do with psychedelics or, yeah, some, some mm, medium through which they can access themselves as pure source because that is the thing that we become disconnected from as we become adults. Mm. You know, that, the, the, the thing that I would, the thought that I would imprint into the, the office, Mr. Burns' office worker's mind, then what? That's what we stop asking. Then mm -hmm. what? You know. Um, and kids don't have a then what. 
th mm. th they, they do everything because they want to. There's no means to an end. But as we become adults, everything is, everything is, I want this so then I can have that. I want this so then I can have that. And the irony is, is that even though kids don't ask then what, because they're doing everything because they want to do it. There's no, they're not living by mind time. You know, it's not this, so then I, in the future I can have that. Mm. Or I'm aiming for this in the future so then I can be happy. They just have it there. Us adults need to start asking, then what? So then we can start to collapse that mind time, that as soon as you get what you want, you are going to want something else. So then for what is all of this? Mm. The means to an end. When does it end? When do you reach the end? You know? Um, because if we're living as the pure expression of life force, which is what we are when we're babies, and that slowly gets... Uh, that pure expression in a lot of ways becomes um, shamed and not good enough and ostracized and uh, demonized. And we start coming up with, you know, um, conditions like ADHD, bipolar, depression, you know, mm. uh, kids that are, that, that are sensitive, kids that ask questions, kids that can't focus, you know, uh, that cannot be disciplined in a lot of ways. That's when we start, we start, uh, operating by by mind time and everything becomes everything is for a future that doesn't exist you know yeah. so yeah it would be some kind of um process like an initiation whether it was for like a day or maybe like a year uh, where they are initiated and have full acceptance and full fully being seen and full support from their carers and the people around them to unlearn everything that they were taught, not in terms of um, respect or how to, um, you know, like how to look after themselves, but in terms of how to show up in the world. Mm. They have that full support to challenge everything that their parents said. This is what you need to do to be loved. This is what you need to do or not do to avoid being ostracized or left out. Mm. Like a re-education camp. Yeah, and it probably would involve something to do with psychedelics. Mm. Yeah, and possibly even the parents taking that too, so that they can bond beyond the beyond the vertical relationship of parent child. And in that same ceremony, then there would be a reintroduction of horizontal relationship. Mm. You know, once the child is able to look after themselves, they know not to cross the road when there's cars coming. You know, they are um, they have autonomy. You know, self governance. With yeah. safety, they can then enter into a horizontal relationship with everybody else in the world and have full support and um, and opportunity to then from there on be their fullest expression of themselves and do life how they see fit. Beautiful, I love that. Mm. Let's bring ourselves back. That's right. Beautiful. Mm. How was that? Great, yeah. yeah. I, have, I have a lot of work to do to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, that's a, big, that's a big program. I was thinking like um, some countries have like mandatory military service. Mm. It's like a year or two. Mm. This could be like a year program. Yeah, Greece has that fear. He had to oh, did he? do that. Mm. Yeah. Imagine that, but just for, as you said, re-education, upliftment, shedding those layers of belief and conditioning. Mm. That'd be amazing. Mm. But contradictory to the whole education system. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's but it. I love it. What are those schools called? Are they Steiner schools? Steiner schools? Steiner? Is that it? Steiner sounds familiar. Like mm. Rudolf Steiner? Mm. Yeah. Schools out of the system, basically. Mm. Helping kids, especially ones with, uh, they're neurodiverse. Mm. And there isn't, they're not neuro neurodiverse. <laughs> 
They're not <laughs> just kids, <laughs> right? It's not this or that. It's yeah. it's offering education in a way that is available to every to everyone. Mm. You know. I love that. Mm. Question: What is shame? Shame is the inner feeling of being fundamentally flawed and inadequate. Mm. And it's a it's a an emotion that drives off isolation, thrives off of isolation. It's a it's a hide myself feeling. Mm. Shame cannot survive in vulnerability, openness, support from other people. Yeah. Why do you think it is that people who uh, face abuse or trauma or things that are being attacked or whatever it may be, and then the, the victim gets shame? Mm. How do you think that process comes about? Um, because we are meaning-making machines and it's this situation where it's, if they were not then given the opportunity to fully feel how they feel and for that nervous system to process those emo those violent emotions of you know having their their boundaries violated you know um that um manipulation probably yeah. even be like mentally emotionally physically mutilated yeah. um that abuse if mm -hmm. they're not able to have that safe space to to that that be okay, that it not be a taboo, right? Yeah. That that happened. Um, it, a meaning-making machine is then mm. like, oh, well, there's something wrong with me. You're like, this shouldn't have happened. This should, it, something it's wrong because with my it's existence. me that this happened. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Do these emotions need to be processed or can it just be forgotten? You know, the, the brain just sort of shuts off the memory and just pushes it aside. Mm. Is that meant to happen or is it not meant to happen? Like. It's a fine line between like, is it better just to completely forget it or is it impossible mm. to completely forget it? I think it's more like, um, I would, if we ask the question more, um, is it relevant or not to go into your past in order to heal from it? Mm. It depends on which area of psychology or which area of therapy or healing that you come from. So Freud and Jung were very much looking into, okay, like, cause and effect. Yeah. How did your past create where you are? Adler or Adlerian psychology is very much like um, looking at the symptoms of what is happening now mm. and what needs to change in your paradigm of how you see yourself and what expectations and beliefs and, and self-doubt you're carrying. How do we need to uh, shift that paradigm of that self-narrative in order to move forward? But mm. it's not necessary to work through that which happened in the past because at the end of the day, the past doesn't actually exist. The future doesn't really exist, only now exists. So in my opinion, it's more if, if we can like deal with what is here now, um, often that um, rem remembering can happen off its own accord. Mm. Uh, it is common though for people to forget, but it doesn't mean that it's normal or good. You know, so yeah. just because something is common doesn't mean that it's good or yeah. normal. True. So, but it is normal for the brain to suppress that, which again, it doesn't feel safe or if it feels like some emotions are just too much for it to, to, to deal with, mm. um, then it will forget because it, it, it's protecting. Mm. Um, funnily enough, like, because, because the, the physical body isn't actually under threat from emotions, it's the false sense of self that's under threat. Mm. The self-image. So the 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 brain is really protecting our false sense of self, not 
the physical body because the physical body would not be harmed by fully processing an emotion. Mm. Someone's not standing there with a knife. Someone's not standing there with a blowtorch. Mm. You know, it's it's this. It's the 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 idea of who we are, which is what would be deconstructed and what is under threat. Mm. And that sense of self is created out of this feeling of shame of not being enough. Wow. You know, that yeah. kids don't have a sense of self image. There's no self image. They, they, mm. don't, they don't feel, they learn to feel ashamed. Mm. You know, there's no such thing as shame. <laughs> pull, their, pull their pants down. Mm. They don't have a problem like um, breastfeeding in public. They don't have, initially have a problem that they're ginger, if that's something you get bullied about. I didn't always mm. have a problem that my face was long. Mm. I learned that. But when people bully me for that, my physical sense of self wasn't under threat. Mm. It's my false sense of self. So different times than in my life that my memories had repressed. Mm. The, the, the remembering, which it means to remember, re-embody, mm. to remember that, it's not my physical self that's under threat. It's my false sense of self, which if I felt not enough in my life, I might create a false sense of self that everybody has to like me, mm. right? Everybody has to like me. So... My, my, I might actively avoid judgment because if I receive that judgment, that is in conflict with this false sense of self, which is that everyone has to like me. Yeah. If that deconstructs what's left underneath is that feeling of not enoughness and shame, you know, yeah. so that the false sense of self is a construct. It is. That's, that's very know? interesting. Because I was thinking about, you've got like bullies in school. Mm. You've got a hundred people with the same age all in one spot. Oh man, school. And it causes just... so much drama, bickering, bullying, this and this and this. So you build this sense of self from what other people think about you, mm. carrying it into your adult life. And you may be fine going into a workplace and there's rules and there's culture and people can get fired for these sort of things. Or um, taking into account you get bullied and then someone will, like Machiavellian, you get bullied in school and then you almost kill the guy, you won't get bullied anymore. Mm. Like, why do people respond to violence in that way, in fear rather than, than love? And another thing, people who do fly and fly out, I knew a girl who was doing fly and fly out and... She was getting bullied by the other workers that were there about looking like a transvestite, even if she doesn't, but they just happened to do that. And then she gets called into HR and HR tries to get rid of her because it's causing issues. But it's like, it seems like the more people you put in one space, the more problems you put there and all these issues can arise. But it's how do we transform that culture amongst all the people to remove these things of bullying and trauma and whatever it may be. Mm. Like, what do you think causes that to happen naturally when you put people together? Mm. Rather than it being amazing, it's compartmentalized and mm. aggressive and that sort of stuff. Mm. It's very confusing to think about. Well, <clears throat> growing up, we learn, again, it kind of comes back to like what I would introduce in the mm. world as that like unlearning ceremony, however mm. long that goes for. There's this idea, if we look at in general, let's say, for example, the people at FIFO and even your friend. Mm. There is this perception that inside me is safe, outside me is not safe. Mm. Inside me is me, outside me is not me. So, so many of us are living from this feeling of shame, not enoughness, and we don't feel safe. Mm. We don't feel safe from judgment. We don't feel safe from expectations. We don't feel safe from being abandoned. We don't feel safe from being left out. We don't feel safe from from it, within our own bodies. We don't feel safe from our own emotions, mm. you know? So 
when we are living in such feeling such un, so under in, under threat mm. in the very perceiving of outside of us as not being an extension of ourselves that's where so much of this conflict is coming from because you wouldn't say that to it. we do but if you had another if we see us everywhere us mm. what is there to be afraid of right Imagine that person that bullied you in school or imagine if she, your friend, saw at Fiveford, it's just all her, right? Mm. Or, and then they, and they're looking at her and they're just seeing them themselves. There's this safety there. There's mm. this, there's this, again, there's no vertical relationships. It's horizontal. It's all you. Mm. There's nothing to be afraid of. But the thing is, is that we don't have, we don't have that consciousness with interpersonal relationships. We're seeing everything as vertical, vertical relationship. If I'm mm. not up here, that means I'm down here. Mm. Again, everything's polarity. There's no fucking gray. It's all black and white. Yeah. It's a fight. It's a fight to be at the top of the vertical relationship. What is that compensating for? Why would somebody need to do that? If you were already at the top, you don't. Mm. You know, so deep down, I feel a that what that comes from is a f deep feeling of not being, not feeling safe, mm. and a need to compensate. So they're compensating from this inner feeling of lack mm. by putting somebody else at the bottom of the vertical relationship so that they can set themselves to be at the top. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So we're all traumatized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if and so you know, unlearning that and becoming aware of that and how that's not cool. Mm. It's calling, and what are you doing? Like, make that taboo almost. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I wouldn't, because then that would be something to be ashamed about. Um, if 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 you're not doing something about that as a child, then in the workplace, I would literally be bringing in talks like this mm. to educate people. Like, you are not fooling. You're not fooling me. Mm. I know where this is coming from. Yeah. And I'm not going to participate in this vertical relationship with you. Mm. Because you're not a threat to me. Yeah. You know. I love that. We're in a horizontal relationship. Having that open discussion so they can understand themselves. That's if it. I'm bullying somebody, mm -hmm. it's because I feel weak and less than I'm trying to peg you down so I can feel better. Mm -hmm. And just having the whole workplace hear about that, it's like, okay, you can instantly you, you just change the culture and educate everybody. I literally like so much of me, like, this is the thing. I do not put myself into the container of uh, love and light teachers. No. I just want no. I just want to call people out. We th we need to be called out. But that is love. we do. That's that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. The thing is, nowadays we're getting into a bit of this spiritual bypassing, where expressing your anger, expressing forthrightness, um, being honest, as long mm. as you're not being a dick about it. Like, oh, it's no all love and light. Like, just forget forgiveness. It's like, but you don't forget, and you haven't forgiven. Mm. You're still resentful as fuck, and you're still telling everybody else about it or gossiping. You're not confronting 100%. that person. Not being honest with yourself. That's it. So I'd be going to each of these people, no shame about it, mm. but I'd be like, what's going, what's going on? Like, this is where this Call is coming up. from. Tell me, tell me otherwise. I see that as direct love and light. Yeah. To be honest, because like... Um, we need people to be honest with us. Yeah. We're all dancing around fluffy like if, shit. If I had a friend who said that they, that they loved me, but I was doing something wrong and they weren't calling me out on it, that's not love then. That's people yes, pleasing. I love that. So that's that the is people pleasing, yeah. And it's that's like, dishonesty, right? Yeah. Deceiving. Light this, if you're turning the light on in a room, you can see everything. Mm. That's what it's all about. It's like mm -hmm. exposing that shadow for what it is mm -hmm. in love and light, I suppose. We get to know ourselves like through other people, you yeah. know, like that's the thing with mine and Theo's relationship. Like we, he has always said to me, if you ever see or hear or feel me 
not doing something that you feel is right, mm. just tell me. Yeah. I don't care if it then isn't right because I'm not then I might not then definitely like agree with you, but mm. um, I'm I'm more than open and willing for you to be like that reflection for me. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that has just been so helpful because now I feel safe to Give sit in. Sit in. <laughs> <laughs> ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> Out of alignment. Like. <laughs> so yeah, like we both um, will sit and be like, "Look, this is what I'm seeing," and I'm not yeah. saying it. And it also depends on the way that I deliver that. Like we both need to commit that it's not about offending each other. Like I'm doing it out of love because I want to be heard, mm. and I you deserve the respect because I know that a lot of what you're doing, you're not doing it on purpose. Mm. You know. And at some points he does something or I do something and we've asked the other person previously, please catch, please pull me up if I do that. Yeah. Don't let me be like my mom. Don't let me, you know, whatever. We carry mm. around these parent traits, right? And then in the moment I might call him out on it and vice versa, but we'll actively defend the thing mm. that we've just done because it still happens. And then later we've given each other like the permission prior in the relationship to approach again and just try mm. again. And like, look, and then when we're feeling a bit soft, I'd be like, yeah, like I was just so angry and I was just feeling so ashamed. And when you brought it up to me that I'm being like my dad, I just didn't, I didn't want to accept that because that felt so much shame for me. So it was mm. easier for me to defend that, you know, or it might say, yeah, that's how I was. Um, however, when you said that, it really triggered me and that actually affected. So it can be like mm. this give and take, you know, so we need that in friendships also. Like I've had, I've had friendships that have two recent ones that literally have threatened the, the, the relationship, like the friendship, put it on the line. Mm. Um, and there was literally no discussion about anything. There was no discussion about what was wrong. There was no honesty. There was no willingness to show up and be like, look, this is the problem and no willingness to hear that mm. this is the issue that I had with this conversation that we that that, that we had together on the weekend mm. or vice versa. It was like this, it was like this, that the, if you do this again, then um, we're not going to be friends anymore. And I was like, see ya. That's very unhealthy, isn't it? It is. Like, we've got to have honesty. Yeah. 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 And it's hard, though. And it's hard to find those. It's hard to find those um, those friendships. And especially in other cases where you've got friends that are participating in behaviors or rituals or uh, patterns that are rituals. no longer in, a, in alignment <laughs> with you. Yeah. That's a thing, though, especially yeah. in the spiritual community. Yeah, the summoning demons. We've got yeah. Well, we've got the even even like entrepreneurship. The ritual of hustle culture. That's mm. a, it's it's, a, it's like this fucking religious practice. Yeah. <laughs> to be this person, to be this identity, to be the one to lead the charge in this movement. It's like, mm. it's 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 like this. It's like a like a fucking cult. Really. It can be like ego and survival. Yeah. At the same time, like, I yeah. Do it for this status, but I didn't manage to survive, and it's like I just combine them both. That's it. You know. Ego pyramid. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, like you're ever going to get there. Yeah. Or you could say like another level of consciousness if they go out drinking all the time. Like, mm. drinking is a bit cool. and, it, and it's hard because if you're the one that wants to break out of that and be the black sheep, it can be so hard. And I acknowledge that it can be so hard to be honest with those people and saying, look, this thing of drinking, just like I don't want to be doing that anymore. Yeah. And what I see is that we are doing this because we're trying to escape our stuff. True. We get blackout drunk every weekend. Mm. We regret it on the Sunday. We talk shit about our boyfriends. We go and mm. flirt with other men or mm. for men. Yeah. But in what men, when they have participated in that, 
they're not pulling each other up like hey bro you've got a girlfriend like you maybe you shouldn't be doing that like, yeah 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 go 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 mm. there's no honesty they're not friends 100 percent. yeah you know no one wants honest relationships so many people so many people <laughs> that, many. I, uh, that i know of as well especially i always call out australians or white people in general because mm. i had an ethnic friend group mm. but seeing how the groups of white people that in high school would sleep with their other friends girlfriends or sleep with their exes that stuff in an ethnic culture would just never happen mm. Mm. which i started looking I'm like wow that's actually very interesting like there's so many people i know who will sleep with their best friend's ex or oh my god all the time and i'm yes. like where the fuck is the respect for your friends like they're not friends at all then mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you're putting your primal urges or even that you want to upset your friend because you're creating a vertical relationship with them like mm-hmm. oh i did yeah. this to your ex so i'm here or it's mm-hmm. just like that to me is like so toxic i just couldn't believe it unfolding and like seeing how people who are friends so strongly for all their lives all of a sudden are no longer their enemies mm-hmm. due to one night of lust on the piss you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where's like the, the the sense in that and it's hard too because yeah. even if you're the the receiver of an act like that like if for example if one of my friends went and did went and did that i'd say if things if if me and Theo went together anyway if that ever happened it's it can feel so hard to then be so honest with mm. with yourself and also put boundaries in that relationship because some yeah. people just think that's okay and they're not then being honest with this person and saying no like yeah you know and even like friends of that person, like mm. they, they just won't like say say it how it is. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's not that's not the. What do you, what shows your respect for yourself? Like for Thank yourself. You. Yeah, I could only for, forgive that with a friend if they were like a serious relationship and like were dying in love and it was mm-hmm. meant to be. You know, mm-hmm. they can't hate on that. That's fine. But if it was just like just for the whim of it, mm-hmm. I could see a lot of vengeance in that towards me, if that makes sense. For me also, it's like it one of those things. either way, but. hundred percent, oh yeah, like that's, there's, for me, and this is something that I was talking about with some friends last night, it's not when you fuck up, it's how you try to fix it. Mm. If, you, if you do something and it's just, or even if you lash out, like just, your ability to just yeah. expose yourself and say, look, I fucked up mm. and I'm not even going to try and defend myself. Yeah. It's hard to stay mad at that. It's true. Yeah. If someone's like, oh yeah, well, you're not even together. You weren't together for like a couple months and she wanted me anyway and you're just justify, jealous justify, and you've justify, been with justify, other chicks. Yeah. Like, you're a bitch and I hate you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And when someone rolls on their back and exposes yeah. their tummy and just... It's not mm. being submissive. It's just being, you surrender. Because yeah. deep down, people know when they've messed up. And often yeah. when there's that shame, they know they've messed up. They can either decide that that's going to be fuel to then be honest and change their ways and mm. try to mend the relationship. Or yeah. now I really need to defend my position because I can't let this shame win. Yeah. But if, it, it, like, um, have you oh. seen Avatar The Last Airbender? Yeah. Um, I like that movie. Yeah. Um, Uncle Iroh says... Um, I think Prince Zuko was saying, I don't have shame, I have pride. I have pride in what I do. I'm going to bring back the avatar, you know, to my father. Mm. And then, you know, Uncle Ira says, please do not be um, mistaken, Prince Zuko. Um, Pride is not the antidote to shame, but the source of it. Mm. You know, so imagine if you've got a guy being really private. Yeah, well, she wanted me anyway. And Mm. like 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 there's no remorse deep down there could be a lot of remorse in that that shame there's yeah. a there's a reason to co- again compensate That's oh true. i'm so prideful you know 
But I look at the other way around because I know vulnerability is, is a form of power mm -hmm. and vulnerability can be used as power. So, mm -hmm. like, if this is actually well documented in, in politics, if a politician makes a huge mistake and they completely own it, I'm sorry, I want to, like Bill Clinton getting his dick sucked by his secretary and he comes like, and you, you know, sort of either you defend it and justify it or you can come around and say, I made a mistake, I messed up, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes owning it can give you more power. People like you because you're human, you're showing your mm -hmm. vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. But that can be manipulated also by somebody who's doing it disingenuously mm -hmm. in the community because they know that these spiritual rules are almost like like a Christian doctrine in a way mm. that can get you away with certain things. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, of course. Like yeah, in in just Christianity for an example, you go repent your sins. Yeah. It's not because you're genuinely remorseful, it's because you're scared of the repercussions of that when you yeah. go to heaven, for example. Yeah. It's like, well that intention really has nothing to do with you exactly feeling remorseful or taking yeah. responsibility. You're taking responsibility just enough mm. to it be forgiven by for you know whatever whatever, whatever means but mm. not quite enough to have to deal with the shame or or whatever it is that you're you're feeling inside yeah. and that is going to make you how many more times likely to do the same thing again mm. and even less likely to tell anyone about it yeah <laughs> because it, it builds you know so again everything comes back from intention and mm. like it's it's hard and I, I it's hard to be angry at someone when they're not angry, when when they're just agreeing with you. Yeah. Who are you fighting with? Exactly, and it doesn't yeah. mean not to end the relationship with the same thing. If um, a, a friend cheated on, um, if a friend got with Theo, like we'd broken up for a couple of weeks, does not mean that I would then stay friends with them. Mm. But I'm a lot more likely to have closure mm. on that relationship and part without burning that bridge if they're able and he also to admit that they fucked up. Mm. And I can still sever. I can still sever the bond there. Mm. You know, it, it it at least brings me to a place of more neutrality. Whether I want to continue with that relationship, build that trust back up again, or if I just want to leave it. So mm. being vulnerable and not attacking in that way doesn't mean that you're weak or that you're being walked over or that you're people pleasing. Yeah, it can quite literally be the opposite. Like you said, vulnerability is power. Then you get to choose with more level head. You're not taking all your energy into attacking them. You're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. Same mm. with the other person. They're not spending all this energy trying to defend, build up this ego, um, pump up their, their false sense of self to protect whatever else is inside. They're, yeah. afraid, they're afraid their friend will see, you know. Mm. Um, and at least then if that relationship ends, there's some level of self-forgiveness because you've, you've ended up being able to admit for your shit, mm. you know. And this, that's what it's about, that level of self-forgiveness, you know. True. Right, I'm going to do a little divert. Mm -hmm. In the spiritual community and the certain people who do workshops, events and blah, 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 there's a few events that I've seen pop up that are almost talking about embodying your dark feminine energy mm. or this and that. Like, what exactly is that? Are these people possessed? <laughs> or like, is it some kind of fad to be dark? Or like, is there a line you shouldn't cross when it comes to shadow work versus tapping into your dark power? I, I'm going to put my hands up and say the three words and say, I don't know. Okay. Because for me, I'm a very philosophical thinker where I tend not to get bogged down in all these different terms. Like seriously, the word trauma, the word wounding, the word masculine versus feminine are like these buzzwords, even self-worth, it's this buzzword. Mm. And we actually don't know fuck all what that means. I really think when it comes to the core of it, um, and we can come up with a million more terms to talk about the expressions of masculinity and femininity on this scale of masculine side, feminine this side. Um, it doesn't exist. 
that's it. it it's literally infinite it's literally infinite and the mind works on a scale mm. so for me again it comes back down to intent intentionality like there mm. are some people that i do see for example let's talk about um sexual expression mm. there is this you know tantra right is yeah. tends to be a band-aid word i have found for people mm. to use um this sexual expression i'm sexually liberated but what i do see and no judgment but what i do see is some women uh yeah just very um self-accepting and they are just expressing themselves some though you can see the intention is still coming from see me as sexually expressed so mm. you don't see how i actually feel inside like it's yeah. still coming from a, a theme of compensation True. Does that make sense? Yeah. So again, embrace your dark feminine. And sometimes it can be this other, um, let me go towards that to get away from this, mm. you know? True. Um, so yeah, I think it, it comes down to be like radically honest with yourself. And again, that helps to have someone in your circle that can say, hey, I kind of, can we have a conversation? Would you mind if I can express to you maybe some things that I'm seeing in your behavior um, mm. that I think... Um, would be beneficial if maybe you could hear from someone that really loves you. If mm. they say no, then don't talk about it. But um, if they then say yes, then say, look, I've kind of noticed that um, the way that you've been expressing yourself, yeah. and I might be wrong, but I feel like that might still be coming from not this sense of like complete confidence, but a sense that you feel like you're having to compensate for something mm. and that you're being overtly sexual rather than just owning like who you are, you yeah. know what I mean? Same with authenticity. Yeah. When you go out there, I'm authentic, I don't care what anyone thinks, or you're so spiritual, good vibes only. It's like, what mm. are you so afraid of? Bad vibes? You're afraid that if you have sexual shame, it doesn't mean that you're, you can't, you're not feminine or you mm. can't express your sexuality, you know? It's almost like there's no room for, um, we're trying to get away from the parts of ourselves that we feel ashamed of and we're trying to own who we are so much mm. that we're trying too hard. Even trying to own all of who you are is coming from an intention of getting away from something else. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's like we're just, I feel like we're just coming up with more terms and more what, we're just complicating the whole healing mm. process. Um, but everything has its purpose. So, True. you know, that's not for me to say that um, workshops around the dark feminine, that is quite literally coming from a very pure intentionality where, you know, us women, we've been suppressed for so many years mm. and we haven't been allowed or it hasn't been accepted for us to sexually express ourselves in a way that doesn't have to mean to everyone else, like, come and get me, that it's not like an invitation, that we can mm. sexually express ourselves. And it's just because that's how we want to be um, creatively putting ourselves out there it doesn't mean mm. like I, that i want anything from it mm. but often it is still that intention underneath yeah. but then there's this thing of yeah but i don't want but that can still be deep 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 down we're still yearning for that recognition yeah true do you think there are some people in the spiritual community who are somewhat possessed or influenced by strange entities Again, I don't know. Mm. Um, I've heard some pretty crazy things. Yeah. Um, I think that we can definitely be deluded as to 
being some kind of like messiah or really what I see is like people, again, this is the difference between being others oriented or being self oriented. When you're leading a movement, it's different to lead a movement and be absorbed in the movement versus Mm. you needing to be the one that leads the movement. And it needs to be known that this is your movement. Mm. Does that make sense? The vertical relationship again. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. It's almost like, and I need to reap the benefit of this movement while I'm still alive. Mm. You know, for example, Socrates, right? He literally, like the whole, the whole, whole upheaval in Athens that happened after he died. Mm. He was like ridiculed, ostracized um, his whole life. And he literally was put to death because he was sentenced for like trying to um manipulate the youth because he was going around on the streets and asking them you know what what is what is the point of what you are doing Mm. you know asking these big questions and and the the revolution and the way that impacted the, the people and basically the course of history in a lot of ways he was never around for that and he he was embodying that and when he was like dying when he was drinking this um the was it hem- hemlock? No, was it? Some poisonous cocktail. Yeah. And he was saying to his um, disciples, he was like, what are you crying for? This doesn't change anything. He said, this changes nothing. Mm. Literally nothing. Stop crying. He's assistant. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, I don't, I don't think too much in terms of dark entities when they're possessed or not, but I definitely feel like our intentions can be self-oriented that's what dark entities are right it's self-oriented yeah versus others oriented others yeah. oriented again doesn't mean people pleasing yeah but it means would you still be people pushing pleasing the savior complex <laughs> that's it yeah 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 would you still be pushing this same movement if you were anonymous mm. and no one and you're a no one yeah and a lot of people if they're gonna be honest would say no what if you got nothing out of it? No money, no recognition, no fame, no status, no special treatment. You're, you're, you're a no one. Would you still be pushing it forward? And yeah. a lot of people would be lying if they said yes. Mm. Maybe deep down it would be yes. Their authentic self is yes. But the ego itself is that was not initially my drive. I could get paid, man. <laughs> yeah, I could get paid. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, that's kind of like the question that I would ask. Mm. Yeah. This, this is one of my final questions here. Okay. You're 90 years old. You've lived a full life, very happy, filled with love, but it's time for you to move forward on your life journey. You go back and review your life, and you get to send yourself a message, starting at your very first day of school, either primary school or high school, your choice. What would that message be that you would give yourself? Mm. It would probably just be not so much don't be afraid. It would probably be to just feel everything fully. Mm. 
feel everything fully. Feel everything fully. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah, because for me, like, as a child, I was always very out there. Again, like ADHD, I was, like, always making friends with the new kids. And in school, the teacher would always put the new child next to me. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter what race they were. I would just chat their fucking ear off. Like, I would, mm-hmm. like, could talk to a brick wall. And they loved it because it would make them feel very yeah. um, safe and Big included. Download, yeah. yeah, yeah. They'd probably be like, oh, my God. <laughs> get this fucking bitch away from me like she was just like my best friend you know like can't get away from it so sort beautiful, of thing. the first hospital can be such a tormenting time for people and having someone like you just to give them like everything it's yeah like they feel like mm. and i just remember um yeah just never feeling safe to feel things fully and a lot of parents nowadays they so want to bubble wrap their child from pain mm. that they end up being in more pain because they never felt safe to be okay that they lost Oh, honey, no, you didn't lose. You won in my eyes. You came third. No, that's a win, honey. It's like, it's okay to feel like you lost because Mm. you did. Yeah. If you came last, you came last. It doesn't mean you lost, Mm. but you came last. Yeah. And that's okay, sweetie. How do you feel? Like, and and let them feel. Mm. Don't try to, no, no, no. Oh, mommy, this person bullied me at school. Oh, they don't know what they're talking about, sweetie. You're so beautiful, you know so easy to try to manipulate their reality to make you feel better that they're not feeling pain Mm. right then they're feeling pain and they need to fully express that and fully feel that to to understand and not be afraid of their emotions Mm. so if anything like again like as joseph campbell said um i'm paraphrasing but bliss is any feeling fully felt bliss is any feeling fully felt that's it I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And even when people come to my breath work, I have so many people saying, I really want to come, but I'm so afraid. And I would just say, that's, that's okay. Feel that fear. Mm. But I'm telling you that the fear will tell you, oh my God, I'm scared because the thing after the fear, when you get to the breath work is worse, but it's not. It ends at that fear. The fear ends there. It's yeah. literally just the emotion of fear. It's not, oh my God, I'm afraid of what's going to happen. That fear is as bad as it gets. Mm. Fear is as bad as it gets. Like when you actually feel sadness fully, when you feel pain fully, when you feel grief fully, anger fully, it's beautiful. It's a release. It feels like taking off a tight shoe, mm. like dropping 100,000 pounds. Yeah. Fear is worse than any of that. The block, isn't it? So I tell them, like, if you can just make it there and just feel the fear. In fact, follow it all the way. And that's why that's what I do with a lot of my clients. I make them follow their fear. Are oh, you afraid of judgment? You're afraid of that person leaving you? They're like, yeah. I even had someone in here, she owns a business. Mm. Um, and she was like, look, this this guy is uh the, the landlord has literally just sent me in a letter this morning before I came here saying you have um you have two weeks to come up with the money of the rent you haven't been able to pay or you're done. Well. I said, she said, okay. And I said, okay, well, what is it you want to be coached about? And she was like, well, like that. And here's me thinking, okay, that's not really what the issue is. So I said to her, what are you really afraid of? She said, well, I'm afraid of losing this premises. And I said, okay, so what's the moment that your fear comes true? Oh, what do you mean? I was like, well, if you know what your fear is so well, like what is that mo- the moment you're mm. afraid of? If that has happened, how do you know that it's happened? Oh, well, he sent the he sent mm. the things through and he said, that's it, like you're done, move out. I was like, okay, is that as bad as it gets? She's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, after that, does things start getting better? She's like, oh, well, no, because then 
I've got to, my, my parents are, are, are have a part of this loan. I've got to, I've got to tell them that their their money's not there. And I was like, okay, is that as bad as it gets? She's like, no, because then I've got to pay them back. It's like, oh, does it get like any worse than that? She's like, yeah, well, then I have to move out of home. They wouldn't want me to live with them anymore. I probably have to like move out. They disown me. I was like, okay, is that as bad as it gets? You've lost your business. You don't have any money. You had to pay your parents back. You had to move out of home. Is that as bad as it gets? What's the feeling? When did the feeling get as bad as it gets? That feeling of loss. She'd be like, yeah, it would be being in home like on my own, right? So that's really what she was afraid of. Mm. That's where it led to as when it got as bad as it got, right? Yeah. And then I said, then what? She's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, then what? You're at home. You've lost everything. Then what are you going to do? You're in this house. Oh, well, I guess. I guess I'm going to have to find another job. And I was like, yeah, you're probably going to have to find another job. She's like, yeah. I was like, how are you going to do that? I was like, would you go on to seek? She's like, no, I've got actually a few friends. And her face starts to light up, right? She's mm. like, oh, I've got a, quite a few friends like, that are in food and stuff. So yeah, I could go work at a cafe. And I was like, oh, you go work at a cafe? She's like, yeah. And I was like, then what would you do? She's like, oh, well, I'd probably go and do this other side business that I was doing because I'd have more time. So I'd probably be building that up. And I was like, ah, oh, then what would you do? She's like, well, I'll probably get enough money and then I'd move into a better place. I was like, oh, yeah, then what? She's like, well, once this other business is taken off, like I'd probably get back into another space again. Like, oh, okay. So you're so afraid of something that if it happened, you would end up putting yourself right back in the position that you are now. Mm. She was like, yeah. I was like, oh, funny that. She was like, yeah. You know, and the, the fear, if you actually follow your fear, mm. you need to find the moment of what it is you're actually afraid of. And really what it is that we're afraid of is we're afraid to feel. True. Even something like money or even judgment. If you call me something, that fear, the, 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 the fear that I'm so afraid of, of judgment, it ha- it's done very quickly. You call me something, you walk off, you're a piece of shit, you've got a long face, you're a shit coach, whatever, right? <laughs> right? That moment we can say, that's the thing I'm so afraid of. But really, the, the aftermath of that, the pain of feeling not good enough, of feeling ostracized, feeling embarrassed, especially if it's other people, you've called mm. me out, the shame, the imposter syndrome, that is what I'm afraid to feel. Yeah. And then when you think, okay, well, so, okay, so I'm afraid to feel, really. Because if you said that and I didn't give a fuck, then I wouldn't be afraid. But yeah. it's because I would give a fuck. So really, I'm afraid to feel ashamed. I'm afraid to feel left out. I'm afraid to feel alone. Mm. And then what would happen? Well, I'm, you're going to have to, if it happened, you would have to feel your shit. Yeah, true. And then you would. And then you would get on with your life. So really, mm. ultimately, all of our fears are, we are afraid of feeling. Unless it's quite a physical fear, then it's different. Mm. We're going to probably get to a stage in the evolution. Where someone can say to you, like, you are the most beautiful person I've ever met. And someone else says, you are just fucking hideous. <laughs> like, yeah. you ever think, like, you would actually feel the same about both of those statements? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's amazing how anyone could do that, to be honest. That would be, well, there wouldn't be anyone doing that. Mm. That would be when you live life on a horizontal. Yeah. That would be like me saying to myself, two versions of me, I would laugh. Like, yeah. you're talking about yourself, you dickhead. Yeah. You could yeah. not laugh at that. Mm. You couldn't not. You couldn't. You couldn't. You couldn't. That's it. Yeah. You live life on a horizontal. It's self-transcendent, yeah. self-actualization. You transcend the limited version of self and you see yourself everywhere. Mm. You know, to the same point we can't take ourselves seriously, we see that everywhere. You know, how you're literally, you're literally offending yourself. 
Like you look like me and you're saying that I look hideous. Mm. Like here's that gift back. Thank you. Yeah. In fact, I don't even want to give it to you because I feel bad giving you the gift that you just gave me to give yourself. So let's mm. put it over here yeah. and let's, you know, yeah. so it's not even giving it, giving it back. It's like you said, it's like neutrality. Mm. It's like emotional mastery in a sense. Yeah. Because no one can make you feel anything. It's just if someone says something that triggers you, it's already existing inside of you. Exactly. If you squeeze an orange, it doesn't matter who squeezes it. If you squeeze it, I squeeze it, we throw it against the wall, we stand on it, get a clamp, get a brick. Mm. The same shit's going to come out. It's juice. Mm. But it was already there inside. You can't say because you squeezed on it, that put juice inside, that's what came out. No, orange juice was always inside. It doesn't matter what the pressure is, whether it's judgment, you mm. lost your job, you left your relationship, it's a health crisis. Whatever is inside of you squeezes out, that was already in there. You just needed pressure to become aware of it. Mm. So it's nothing to do with the pressure. True. You know? Yeah. So even if that. nobody ever squishes on that orange ever again, doesn't mean that that is going to, it's it's not cause and effect situation. Mm. Another question. It's probably the last one. Actually, this, how's your energy levels feeling right now? Amazing. Good. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do one more exercise. Yeah. It came to me now. Cool. Love um, that. Spontaneity. I'm about it. Before we do that, mm -hmm. do you believe in soul contracts? Um, what do you mean by soul contracts? An agreement made before this life, initially by a soul or spirit, which was you, to do a certain activity with a certain person during the earth life for, a, for whatever reason. I believe that the universe wants to explore itself as the unique expression that each of us has individually. Mm. And it didn't want to express itself through us in any other way, through us. Mm. That's what I believe. Okay. Yep. I like that very much. But some people you meet can trigger you in certain ways. Mm -hmm. And it feels like, well, what the hell's happening here? Like whether it's soulmate, twin flame, or some kind of karmic relationship, or even like an agreement made before this life that we didn't know about. Mm. It has to be collected or fulfilled upon. Mm. But do you, do, you, do you believe in that concept? That there's an agreement made before this life for you to fill out in this life? I, when I look into astrology, look at someone's chart, in yeah. someone's chart, you can literally, it's not just their personality, everything that happened in their home life is contained in that chart. Really? Yes. And their entire life mm. is contained in that chart. So my belief in it is pretty irrelevant, but I do think it's amazing that we can predict with a lot of accuracy, what happened in someone's home life, the nature of their mum, the nature of their dad, the nature of their siblings, that impact on them, their desires for career, their desire, the way they express themselves, the way that they look, their cadence, mm. their interests, from where the stars are exactly when they were born. Do the stars can determine how you look? No cause and effect. So the stars don't determine how you look. If you wave at a mirror, it happens at the same time. Mm. There's no delay. So did I, So did the stars determine how I look or do how I look determine the stars? Interesting. Because I was contemplating, because I know that the, the physical body is created by the soul and it sort of shapes around it. Because I really wanted to get a nose job. Mm -hmm. I want to get it done. But a part of me is like, no, that's you. That's your unique expression. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I want to get it done because I just want to know what it's like to look like a different person. But, you know, just to improve my looks. But it's like this battle between myself, like, no, you don't need to do that. And it's like, yeah, I want to. 
Um, and I can't get to determine, am I supposed to look like this or do I get to decide how I look? Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both. We can do both. Yeah. There's no right or wrong. No. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no this or that. You, you, you mm. are meant to look like that. And whatever you decide is what you are meant to do. Okay, beautiful. I like that. Yeah, Love same it. with me. And it's hard because, isn't it? It's easy, again, when you get into the self-growth that any modifications to how you look, any antidepressants, like it's easy to want to shun all of that. Mm. I was in that boat for a while. But I got a double jaw surgery, chin and nose genioplasty. Mm. It was for a medical reason, but it was also very, very cosmetic because, like I said, I got bullied a lot. I had an underbite yeah. and a big gap in my teeth. It wasn't that Your big. Your teeth, but... out of anyone I've met, actually are the most perfect out of anybody I've I met. I hope so. It cost me 50 grand. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I need those teeth for myself. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where that has given me so much, not given me, again, it's a, that experience I will continuously draw back on as a anecdote or an example or a case study in me teaching for other people. So did then my self-image just be like amazing then? No, because then it will just move to something else. Okay. However, I would do that surgery again and again and again. Mm. Yes. Did Was the surgery like one day and you work up and your teeth are just perfect? So what had to happen is because, um, imagine this is my un, my under jaw, this one, yep. because my jaw was forward and my upper jaw was behind, yep. the teeth of my upper jaw had gone forward to try and meet my bottom teeth and my bottom teeth had gone in. Okay. Yep. So what they had to do is they had to straighten my teeth first because my teeth had to be perfectly straight before they changed my jaw. Okay. So they had to put braces on, so they straightened my bottom teeth like that and my top teeth like that, so my my gap actually got bigger Worse, okay. so then when they actually like put my jaw back they fit perfectly oh wow yeah rather than because if they my teeth were like that and they were like that if they put the jaw back i'd be like this the yeah. bottom jaw would be in back be worse, yeah. and it would be worse and then when you straight to straighten the teeth you'd have to do the surgery again yeah so i got braces for about a year and a half and then i got the surgery with the braces on okay cool and then they had like elastics on the on my um, uh, teeth to Plastic keep my band, jaw yeah. back. Um, and then after about six months, I had the braces off and then it was done. Did you have wisdom teeth removed as well? Um, yes, but not related to my jaw surgery. Okay. Like that was done before. I've only had two of my wisdom teeth taken out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't have any teeth removed or anything. It was more like some of them were twisted and I had to like close the gap. Um, yeah, so the braces were the worst. I would have yeah. the double jaw surgery over, that was the 13 hour surgery. Mm, but you're out, you know, mm-hmm. but you're out. That's it, I'm out. That's yeah. what I want, I want to be out for a day, fix my uh, teeth, wake up, done. That's it, yeah, yeah. Braces. And the recovery of that was so much worse than having braces. Oh really? Like the recovery of that, like I, even though I had my jaw wide shut, so when you wake oh, up, fuck. when you prepare for the surgery, you're, you're, um, you're fasted. So mm. when they've, because they break both your jaws, they break it open, and what they do is so they don't have any scars on the outside, they cut uh, around here and they fold your face back. Oh fuck! That okay, way, yeah. so your nose is inside out. Everything is like stretched. Holy shit! Do you get a photo of that? No, thank. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd look like. Have you seen Stranger Things? No. You haven't? No. Oh my god! You have to see Stranger Things. I'm like one of the the demigorg that goes like. Rah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so when they're doing it, they lower your blood pressure all the way down to reduce you losing so much blood. But mm. when they're cutting through my top jaw, there's only so much blood they can stop because it's connected to your brain. Yeah. There's only so much blood flow they can stop going into your stomach. So when I came to, 
um, my jaw was wide shut, like tied shut, so mm. I couldn't open oh. it because it was so raw. Um, so my jaw's wide shut. I have these tubes going everywhere up through my nose, so I could only breathe through my nose. But because there was so much blood in my stomach, one of the, the tubes I had was a PCP. I think that's what it was called. So it was mm. um, self-administered pain relief. Mm. So I would press the button and I'd get pain relief, but it would only work every one minute, which isn't even that long, really, yeah, for yeah. IV-administered pain relief. So anyway, as soon as the nurse is walking me through that, I start clicking it because I'm afraid that the pain is going to start to set in soon. Yeah. So I'm clicking it. And she didn't tell me that a side effect of the PCP was nausea. Oh. And you know, you see things as like side effects yeah, as, a, yeah. as, as a mentioned, guys. If anything has yeah. a side effect, it's not a side effect. It's an effect. Mm, true. It, they just call it a side effect because they're focusing on its pain relief. No, yeah. here's a drug and here are the effects. Mm. Pain relief. You know nausea. what I mean? That's, That's it. So... So like side effect, I thought, oh, it's a side effect. Probably won't happen. Oh my God, it happened. Why don't so, they give you heroin? Like, come on. I know, morphine. Come on, help me out. <laughs> yeah. So I think I was on a little bit of that. But so then I'm, I'm putting it and I've got this feeling of being sick. My jaw's wide shut. All I have in my stomach is blood. So I literally lean forwards and I, and I vomit, like not from, like all I can is from the outsides of my, my mouth through my up. nose. So there's literally my partner was there and... <laughs> <laughs> so i literally like vomit and my partner's there my ex at the time he's like he's looking at me like oh my god and i literally lean forward and this blood is literally catapulting wow. everywhere and i can't open my jaw so it's like like it's coming like from everywhere wow that'd be yeah. so painful as well yeah so that was fucked and then that night um because because all of that blood came up and all the blood wants to come up. Like I kept stop being able to, I was in the ICU. I kept stop being able to breathe through my nose because there was so much blood in there. So the ner I'd have to press this emergency button. The nurse would come in like it's not a problem because they're so like desensitized to that stuff. And I'm like, they're thinking like I'm not going to be able to breathe. Die, yeah. And she gets this tube that's probably like this long. And she slowly just feeds it through my nose all the way down into my stomach. And then she'll slow and she'll, turn the suction on and she'll just slowly drag it up through my esophagus, like all the way, I think it's your esophagus, like all the way up um, to, dr to pull all the blood out. So at the same time, I'm like, like, so like gagging. <laughs> so that was the first 24 hours fucked. And then I couldn't brush my teeth for two weeks because you can't with your jaw. Oh. So I had like, so I had this, um, this, this mold on this, like, like a, like a, like a, not mold as in mold, but like a thing. And I couldn't take it off. So yeah. when I took it off, like it was like rice and noodles and I, like all these, uh, Imagine, like, it was just your, your fucked. It was just, <laughs> oh my God. Well, I couldn't open my mouth. So it was like, uh, you know, so it was like, I literally binge watched One Tree Hill for like One Tree a Hill, week. what a flashback. Yeah, I know. So yeah, so that, actually was 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 fine but actually the process of braces was worse because every time they tighten their braces like the sensitivity and the pain was just so much yeah. um but yeah that like i wouldn't say change my life because i still like have a long face but the the feeling confident in like my smile mm. um i didn't realize like how bad my self-image was and my confidence was before so I still had have had to work on that even after mm. my surgery. So for you, I would say, I can't even say to women, like, don't get your boobs done. Don't do this. Don't do that. Because it's like, I've done that and I would do it mm. again. Mm. So for you, like, if you want to do it, then then just do it. Sure. Um, and just know, and no, it's not going to cure everything for you. 
Mm. But you have the ability and the choice and the power to make those decisions if you want to. And there's no shame also in what that means about you if you decide to do that. Does that make sense? Because some, make sense. sometimes there can be the shame in, oh, if I change how I look, it's because like I don't have this self-love or self-worth with looking, this self-acceptance mm. to look the way that I am. And it can be both. True. You know? The thing is, I can't see my own face. Mm. So I don't care. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> because I'm, like, I'm doing it because I want to be accepted more by society, if that makes sense. Well, that's it. That's it. You that's literally like will never... A, a wounded place rather than like a place of... That's it. You know? Yeah. And, and you know what? Like, that's okay. Mm. That, if, if it's coming from that place, that's okay. Mm. You know, like it's it's okay. So, you know, it, it's, it's normal. Not yeah, normal, people get tattoos. People get fucking tattoos. True. Yeah. You can say, yeah. oh, it's just from a desire. Some people have an obsession with getting tattoos. They don't like like people that mutilate their face with tattoos and implants and stuff. Mm. Even exercise is exercise yeah. coming because we want to do it or because we want to look good. So it doesn't mean you don't exercise because. Five percent, or ten percent, or even fifty percent of the reason why you're doing it is because you want to be accepted and have a six pack. Mm. Like you can't wait until you have a hundred percent acceptance before you do something that's good for you. Hundred percent. Maybe you're going to breathe better. Maybe there are other aspects of you getting nose surgery that are going to help you. And it also it adds to your story. Like you can then talk. Maybe you end up talking to people, being like, "Look, I got it done, and I still feel the same." Mm. That might be a talking point. Sure. I don't know. Like there's yeah. just. Same thing with medication, you know. There's no point mm. shaming people that they've got medication. I think that antidepressants have a role, but in my opinion, only if your depression is so severe that you cannot leave the house and it would literally affect your physical functioning as a human being because you cannot go and get connection from society or you can't get up and feed yourself, you can't get up and shower yourself. Mm. Like when our physical, our ability to physically keep ourselves healthy is affected by depression or anxiety, I think that's where certain um, antidepressants can help get the process started and then to work on yourself and eventually get off them. But mm. my problem is cosmetic surgeries and, 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 and drugs are being give, uh, given out like fucking M&Ms. all the time. Yeah. Like M- M&Ms. Yeah, that's my mm. problem with it. You know? True. Yeah. yeah. But again, who's to say that you can't because you have autonomy over your body. That's but true. I'd be asking where that would be coming from, you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah, but just do you, you know what I mean? Like... Go live your life. Yeah, if you want to find out, if the thought keeps coming over and over and over and over again, just fucking do it. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like, at some stage I wanted a boob job, but then I actually got tits, so I actually, naturally, puberty happened. So then yeah. I was like, oh, I don't want a boob job anymore. True. But as soon as I knew that surgery was available, I knew I wouldn't fucking rest until I could get that surgery, so I just got it straight away. Mm. Yeah. All right, I'll look into it. Yeah. Oh, my super will pay for it, I'll be happy. Yeah, Probably. oh, yeah. Not 10K out of pocket is different from 10K from my super. Super, I'm going to do it. That's it. Or just manifest it. Win the lottery. I did that, and I won three and a half grand on the lottery. Paid really? for my whole yeah. Paid for my whole Japan trip. Let me tell you about that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Mm, manifest, manifest. Manifest, All right. manifest. Last exercise. Are you ready? Yes. So we're gonna do close the eyes down, bend the palms up. Whoop. Taking a few deep breaths, allowing our minds to become really quiet and peaceful. And we're gonna step into the place within our heart center. Stepping out into a beautiful field. And on that field, we see a line of people standing in front of us. A single file line, however many feels right for you. And you're looking at all of your past lives, past the eons. And the one at the very back has a ball, a golden ball, a gift to hand to the one in front and to the one in front. 
and they're passing this ball forward and forward and forward, each person giving a piece of light into this orbital ball. And the one on the very front is having a chat with you about generational trauma and ancestry and healing. And they're saying that the power that they have to give to you, the wisdom and experience, far outweighs any of the hurts and traumas because they have all done their healing. And they have all lived their life and accumulated many gifts. Finally, this ball reaches the front person. They look at you deep in the eye, give you a blessing and hand you this ball of power and gifts that they've accumulated for you to integrate into your being. But there is one gift that stands out more than the others. And they tell you this gift. What is this gift that they're handing you for you to use in this life? Service through kindness. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. And is there a gift that they've accumulated over their lifetimes? Something that's very unique to you. Your own sort of flavour or your own sort of... Radical self-expression. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. I love that. Radical self-expression. Mm. And there you have it. We can bring ourselves back and give us give thanks to those who have gone before us, building these beautiful gifts for us to use. What a great little channel of light, hey? Mm. All right, that ends it. That was amazing. Thank you so much, Brett. I no love worries. your questions and your no guidance worries. and... Yeah, love, love where our conversations take us. Mm, Always something me too. new. Mm. Third time is the charm. Yes, Thank three you. for three. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Bye, yes. <laughs>